Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey Dilly, how are you doing? Hi Nick, I'm, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm alright. I've had some kind of weird experiences this week, which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm-hmm. But I've got a question for you to yeah. kick us off. Hey Dilly, do marionettes freak you out? Yes, they do. (laughs) Yeah, they freak me out a little bit. And the reason I'm uh, asking that question is because I spent Sunday afternoon in one of Augsburg's many institutions. And this would be the Augsburger Puppenkiste, which is a very famous marionette sort of theatre, but also a museum. And anyone who comes to Augsburg will uh, be directed... Uh, towards the Roten Tor to go and see the Marinette Museum there. And okay. uh, yeah, it's something that I, I'm still having nightmares about even now. <laughs> you know, I think it's very deft finger work. I'm, you know, very happy for people to have their niche skills. But I mean, it's so obviously puppeteered, right? You can see the strings. It doesn't fool me. I don't think it's meant to fool you. Um, Not in this case, anyway. I think it's very much meant to be a marionette. I think that's their charm, is that they are hand-operated puppets that are very, very old school. It's one of these kind of hangovers, I guess, of of a a more, I don't know, a more innocent time, perhaps. Pre-Netflix life. Indeed, (laughs) pre-Netflix, pre-CGI. Uh, the the Puppenkister has existed for a, a long time, since 1948, and uh, it actually was founded by a family uh, called the Ormichens, Walter, Rose, and Hannah Law, who was their daughter. Walter had been sort of interested in puppets even before 1948, but it wasn't until after the Second World War that they were able to find a space to create the Puppenkister Museum. And it's it's really lovely, it really is. It's quite small. And there's something sort of really old-worldy about it. Mm. And as a parent who is spending a lot of time engaged with Peppa Pig and generally shitty CGI TV shows and movies, it was Mm. a real nice kind of antidote to all those things. And as I was standing looking at all these kind of marionettes in the museum, I was like, oh, right, this is lovely. This is great. Oh, my God, I think I'm an old man now. (laughs) An old man shouting at clouds, going, ah, oh, God damn it! why can't the kids enjoy the simple things in life? But um, I do really think it was, it, was, it was worth a visit. And they put on shows every day, and there's lots of different things that they've done through the years. And although it's not on television anymore, mm. and it, I think it was cancelled from television in about 2011, but they, they used to do a show a year, not just for kids, they also did shows for older audiences. And they, mm-hmm. they did a two-hour version of Wagner's Ring Cycle with marionettes. Just imagine opera with marionettes. Nick, so tell me, so these are like small puppets, right? Yeah, yeah, small puppets. Okay. Uh, what did you find terrifying about it? The dead eyes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> the dead eyes are enough for me. I don't know, I think I've been ruined by like crappy 90s horror films. I think that's what it comes down to. Ah, do they come to life? Do you think? Yeah, that's my fear. Uh-huh. My my worst nightmare would be to be locked in the in the museum, and and have to spend a night there. But uh, even though I find them creepy, kids clearly don't. 
And in fact, they used the marionettes and the Poop and Kiss to produce a, a very popular film during the pandemic to mm. explain kind of corona and how to prevent infection to kids. Uh, so they still have some uses, but it's definitely worth a visit if you're ever around Augsburg. Is it too early in the podcast for me to remark that given that we are going to cover Matthias Döpfner later, maybe he could have used the kids' Poppen Theater? <laughs> Are you saying that the CEO of Axel Springer could be replaced by a marionette? Interesting idea. I mean, given his corona quotes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he clearly didn't watch the film, but we'll, we'll talk about Matthias Dupfner later mm -hmm. on in the show. I've got another thing. I, I spent the entire majority, well, the majority of Saturday with a, um, a joiner in a weird workshop. Is that something you want me to tell you about? Yes, please. I, I like workshops. It's something that I would never have experienced if I hadn't lived in Germany. And it's one of those things that makes you realize what a pleasure it is to live in a different country. Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting a wooden frame built for the garden. Mm. And uh, through various contacts, managed to get hold of a, I guess they're called a Schreiner, so like a joiner. Mm. They're uh, sort of semi-professional, but he's a Meister, this guy. He's a Meister, uh, which means he's highly, highly qualified, like mm. an expert workman. And... Uh, I had to go and paint the frame before it gets set up mm. uh, in order to save money, of course, because we're Schwabish mm. and that's how mm. we roll, you know, save mm. money where you can. Yeah. And so I spent six hours in the company of this old school Bavarian Meister. And honestly, mm. it's one of those things where as it was happening, I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. This guy's like telling me about how to build a roof with your bare hands and wow. he was talking to me about his house and how he'd built his house and he gave me a tour of his house yeah. and, and uh, he'd built all these different things in a very particular way and he was so happy to kind of explain it all of this was in German as well so I was like super proud that I was able yeah. to have this conversation in, in German with, with this guy but yeah. I was just like do you know when you have those experiences where you're mm -hmm. like this is why I moved to Germany this is exactly <laughs> it these weird kind of strange things where I have to drive to a village in the middle of nowhere yeah. and speak to this meister for six hours while i paint a wooden frame i didn't really think that would be what i'd be doing nick did you like see him do stuff yeah yeah like so he was wow. working on things we were building doors and he was doing other oh. things but uh, we spent a lot of time drinking coffee and he was smoking rollies and i was vaping and we were just like talking about films he's mm. a big fan of blues but also metal he kept mm. pointing to things in his workshop he has a massive workshop he kept pointing to things and telling me stories about mm. all this stuff and it was amazing and i was just like this is such a great experience i think we spent a lot of time on the podcast kind of moaning about stuff so i just wanted to add two very joyous things although one was a little bit scary in the marionette <laughs> Augsburger poop and kister but this other side of it was really really exciting this kind yeah. of working with my hands I know it's something that I really look forward to and miss from home because um, in Sri Lanka like you know if something breaks say the door then you have like a carpenter or someone come mm -hmm. in and then and then you get to watch them work and it's beautiful like how you I, I don't even know the English words because I only know them in Sinhala mm -hmm. so like how you like you know shave off you smoothen it up, the wood. The, the device I think you're thinking about, this two-handed mm -hmm. device, mm -hmm. it's called a plane, and that means you're, plane. You're, you're planing the wood. That would be oh, the continuous fancy. verb for that. Okay, in Sinhala, it's called the yatukataya. Oh, so. that's much better. That's a much better <laughs> word. <laughs> and it's one of the things I also miss um, 
living in an apartment with a balcony because I don't have enough space to even like get started on beginner carpentry, which I've always wanted to do. What came to my mind is having been in the UK, mm. everyone kept telling me about how difficult it was to get a hold of a, a person to do work on the house or mm. fit a kitchen. And I was like, oh, you know, in, in Germany, it isn't that hard to mm. find someone it's expensive of course and all yeah. things are when you're getting someone skilled mm. but like we just sort of through a friend found this guy and they were an expert and they were willing to help us out and it was all kind of very easy and straightforward and, and certainly easier to find capable workers than it mm. seems to be in the uk so i felt like it was a little bit of a luxury as well but mm. i saw very clearly what we were paying for the quality mm. And I, I like, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I did get my GCSE in word working. So I do have some knowledge. I, yeah, I made a clock. Look, I got skills. No. I'm good <laughs> yeah, on I you, loved it. it. I used to have it. Dovetail joints. Tell me about it. No. And so as I was making this thing, as, as I was painting this thing, sorry, it was just like a pleasure to sort of see the craftsmanship, to see wow. this guy working away and just to chat to him about building... Uh, roofs and uh, how you shingle a roof with wood and all these like little things that that I don't know I just it just felt like a real kind of moment of clarity when it comes to mm. the things that I really enjoy when we're living in Germany. Nick on that note are you familiar with the TV series and movies of Jack Irish? It's an Australian thing. Yeah it's uh it's I forget the name of the actor um, yeah. but yes I know I do know this. Is it, yeah. it was the guy from Game of Thrones, right? It's the, the actor from Game See, of Thrones. See, I never watched Game of Thrones. Oh, well, we can no longer have a podcast together, uh, <laughs> Dilly, I'm afraid. This is the last episode. And, uh, oh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, I'm mixing it up. Jack Irish is played by Guy Pearce. He's, I yeah, just did a quick Guy Google. Pierce. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't in Game of Thrones, so we can still be friends. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and why did you bring up Jack Irish? So he's this ex-lawyer who's like a private eye and in his spare time he works in a, he, he like uh, meddles with carpentry in a workshop and that's the most beautiful like side story that I could have imagined. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the idea of like taking this chunk of wood and spending time on it, doing things with your hands, it's, mm. I, I'd love to do that. It's incredibly cathartic. It's really mm. sort of... Um, back to nature and all of these things and the smell um, of wood i mean i know mm -hmm, that he gives mm -hmm. me asthma and i'll probably be wheezing but like the the sawdust and it's mm -hmm. beautiful no? the joiner that I, that I was working with was like cutting things with saws and stuff and the smell of like wood being cut and all of that stuff mm. is very evocative it brought back a lot yeah. of memories of of being in the workshop at school and slaving over various different uh, machines and learning how yeah. to turn wood and all of this stuff so it was, mm. yeah it was a real pleasure i had to see him today and i almost asked him like can i just come over <laughs> can i just come over on a saturday <laughs> and do some work for you <laughs> it would be really enjoyable I can't, yeah 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 but um i think he probably doesn't want the weird english guy peppering him with questions about about wood but uh, mm. he'll be coming over to fit this frame some point this month so uh, I can ask him again, maybe. <laughs> Make him a cup of coffee and give him a cake and say... Put on your Sunday best, Nick. Yeah, exactly. Please let me work with you. I know how to use a chisel. Uh, okay. So these are obviously the highlights for, for my week. There has been some low lights in Germany this week. Yeah. And one of them has been the debate around the shutdown of Germany's last nuclear power plants mm -hmm. uh, that happened 
uh, just this weekend gone. Mm -hmm. And it seems to have dominated a lot of the news cycle. A lot of people debating the sense of it, whether it was a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, a lot of people flinging insults at, at each other um, about being ideologically driven to shut down nuclear power plants and that it's stupid and how it's going to bring the end of German civilization and other typical kind of hyperbolic statements. Mm. Uh, what do you make of this discussion, Dilly? Mm, it's a bit whiplashy. Um, in the <laughs> what sense do you mean that... by whiplashy? <laughs> I like the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun to say. By whiplashy, I meant that every couple of years we bring this up and either people are against it and then the same people are for it. And it's it's very confusing. I think I'm the same, you know. There seems to be a lot of disingenuous debate around it, certainly from the political sphere. One of the things I, I saw floating through my timeline the other day, I think on Sunday, was, do you know how you get those funeral notices or death notices in newspapers when someone dies and it has like, not an obituary, but like a mm -hmm. notice of death. And it usually has some kind of cross or some kind of religious symbol. And it's like, this person has passed away and it gives their date of birth, and maybe a little bit about them but not not a vast amount and generally it's to inform others in the area about this person in case they want to no attend. i don't know these so, so it's a very british thing probably no 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 it's not it's very it's it's i mean that happens in britain but i've seen it a lot in germany in newspapers but also in churches where they'll okay. put up a notice and it's kind of a, a semi-memorial but also a notification and uh, they're quite common in local newspapers mm. and someone had produced one for Atomcraft, I think it was. Mm. And I was just like, oh, come on. Like, that is the most kind of prissy approach to this debate. Like, oh, mm. let's all mourn the death of nuclear power. Oh, woe is me. The end is nigh. And I say, like, is there anything more German than that? You know, this kind of ridiculous overreaction to what is essentially something we've been preparing ourselves for since. Angela Merkel mm. announced the nuclear plans to shut down nuclear power plants, I believe in, in 2010, was it 2011? And this has been an ongoing discussion mm. uh, since then. And now it's happened, everyone seems to be very alarmed. Nick? Hmm? Can I can I interrupt you there, please? You can always interrupt me. Okay. On behalf of the listeners of this podcast, and they are going to make this comment, can I please ask you to say the word nuclear again? Nuclear. Ah, I knew it. You say it like nuclear. I mean, it's my accent. Are you going to make fun of my accent? No, Dilly, are you I really am. coming here to make no. fun of my accent? <laughs> well, I never. I am going to bring up Benedict Cumberbatch, who was pulled up for saying penguin when he wanted nuclear. to say penguin. Nuclear. Well, how do you want me to say it? <laughs> Kerncraft. Is that I, better? I <laughs> Atomcraft. Is that better? I, I say nuclear. Nuclear. You say nuclear. And it's got, I can only say it one way, all right? I have, I've, I've never been so shocked at you, Dilly. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were... You've never been so you were shocked. you my friend. No, I'm not. I mean, I understand I have some hinky pronunciation. Um, no, I, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just found it interesting. It feels like you're saying it's wrong. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Let's... Uh, I don't even have a comeback, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should not be better than that. Because I'm going to go away and cry myself to sleep because Dilly's been making fun of my pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And less less about me and more about the topic, please. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so uh, I just thought it was a it was a funny kind of situation where we looked up a couple of quotes from various politicians who've been very vocal about the shutdown mm. of the atomic power stations. I'm avoiding <laughs> saying that word now. Um, <laughs> oh, I made you so self conscious. No, I uh, you really you really bruised my massive overly inflated ego. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the, the the obvious candidate to mention would be our friend and yours, Marcus Suda, who uh, in 2021 was um, broadly in support of nuclear power. In fact, he sort of said, and this is a rough kind of quote. No, it's a direct quote, in fact. The decision to phase out nuclear power is based on broad social acceptance, the Bavarian prime minister told the Funke newspaper, and this is taken from an article in 2021. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2022, all German nuclear reactors should be off the grid. That's what he said in 2021. Turn to 2023, and he's basically demanding that Bavaria becomes a separate nuclear power and that they retain all nuclear power stations. Bearing in mind, though, he does not want to have nuclear waste in Bavaria, which is always what Marcus Söder does. We want this thing, but we don't want any of the negatives and any of the ramifications. We don't want to face the consequences. Exactly. How very manly of him. And the FDP leader, uh, Christian Lindner, had similar kind of quotes to throw around. Mm. And um, I don't know, my feeling on it is probably similar to yours in that it's broadly a good idea. I don't like the idea that we're relying so heavily on coal, um, but also on atomic power. But one of the things I thought was, surely this will kind of speed up some kind of attempt at improving the power grid and connecting renewable energies Mm. now that the safety net's been kind of pulled away. Germany can't do what it always likes to do, which is sit on its hands and hope everything just stays exactly the same as it's Mm. always been. And now it actually might see some innovation in those areas Mm. that there'll actually be an attempt to do some quite crazy things like connect the wind farms in the north of Germany to the south of Germany to maybe build more um, wind turbines to uh, look at other sources of renewable energy instead of just going, we've still got the nuclear power plants. We can just use those. I felt like it was kind of like a safety net for the discussion on on, on renewable um, energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, well, we can we can sort of slowly do it. We'll slowly yeah. transition. Yeah. And given the country's constantly talking about innovation, well, now's your chance, right? Has anyone indicated where they want to go next? I mean, we have wind power and coal that have like similar shares in the, the energy market, right? I think coal's definitely being used more now since the energy crisis. Mm-hmm. That's for certain. But... Uh, the Frankfurt Allgemeine do this great thing where they they actually give you the data for what power is being used on their mm. f- on their homepage, so you can sort of scroll down and it'll show you what kind of power is being used or how much power has been used over the last month. Mm. And today, for example, we have coal is thirty four percent, wind is nineteen percent, solar fourteen percent. Ah, so coal is more than wind. Okay, that was That's my bad. just today though. Ah, it changes okay. daily. Atomcraft is null. <laughs> so, yeah, so it changes and shifts. And obviously, I think a lot of people, especially those in the uh, kind of climate activist groups, mm. would be very upset to find that coal is at 34%. Yeah. But 
since that's being phased out as well, again, this is an opportunity for them to maybe think a bit more about how we can improve our uh, yeah, use of renewable quite, energy. Absolutely. I mean, let's get the discussion going. Let's see action. It's very funny, though. I mean, for if coal is something you want to phase out, that's not what you want to use the most, no? No, no. And I think obviously this has some connection to the energy issues that have arisen yeah. since the invasion of Ukraine. But it's like a thing of everyone looks at the car industry in Germany and goes, why haven't they innovated? Why haven't they innovated? Because um, no one's really pushed them to do that. No one's really legislated. or fought. And every time they try, when the EU attempted to make a, a statement piece of legislation saying we're going to phase out combustion engines by i think it was 2035 mm. the ftp popped up and went oh no we can't do that we need to block this we need to block we need to protect the car industry and it's like well you can't constantly protect the car industry like it is your spoiled firstborn yeah. son you know um you actually have to uh, kind of push companies sometimes mm. to innovate uh, instead of just letting them do what they've always done and i'm hoping this will be the case when it comes to the to the nuclear shutdown mm -hmm. yeah um one last thing before we move on to the main stories are you gonna uh, say nuclear for me again nick uh, no i am not gonna <laughs> say that word uh, maybe i'll say it at the end I'll thank give you the, the listeners a, a reason to uh, follow through right to the very end of the podcast I think it was last year, Simon and I had a, a discussion about tattoos and I suggested that one of the tattoos that I really wanted to get was mm. the 7-Eleven logo, the famous mm -hmm. convenience store in the US. And uh, lo and behold, I opened the uh, one of my news apps mm. uh, last week to discover yeah. that 7-Eleven is coming to Germany. It's coming to Germany. So the 7-Eleven convenience store chain yeah. One of the largest in the world is yeah. coming to Germany. I was wondering um, what you might have think about or what you thought about this, given that convenience, shall we say, is not one of the things Germany is particularly renowned for, let alone convenience stores. But 7-Eleven has announced that they plan to expand their sort of holdings into, into Germany and they're currently looking for investors. And uh, yeah, so we could feasibly see a future where... 7-Eleven convenience stores and some of their most delightful products are available to you and me, Dilly. Uh, do you want me to tell you some of the things we might be able to look forward to from a 7-Eleven franchise? First, can you tell me, so when you say convenience store, we're talking about food and beverages, right? Basically, yeah, we're talking yeah. about, okay. if you go to a 7-Eleven in the US, you're going to find, it's not the finest brand of, of food it's not mm. they're not high delicacies or anything like that mm -hmm. but if, if anyone who knows me knows how much i love what some might term terrible food but i would term sort of convenience food yeah and i'll give you an example of the kinds of things that we might be able to enjoy mm -hmm. should 7-eleven arrive how about this would you like a korean barbecue taquito it is essentially a rolled piece of fried dough with korean barbecue in the middle sounds good to me right um yeah <laughs> okay okay so you don't like the taquitos how about spicy garlic chicken rollers which are rolled deep fried chicken sticks okay um, <laughs> you might be looking for a new podcast made by the end of the week, but you know, I'm just going to go for it. I understand the spicy garlic chicken rollers might not be on, on your menu. How about hot honey boneless wings? 
boneless wings. Yeah. You take the bones out of the wing, what else is there? I'll be honest with you, I don't actually know what a boneless wing is, but I would bloody eat it in a heartbeat. I tell so you So it's now. like a chicken wing without the bones? Basically, that's, that's exactly okay, what it is. so a chicken nugget. <laughs> On a stick, though. On a stick. <laughs> yeah, if they've let the bone in, they wouldn't need the stick. Or how about if that doesn't float your boat? I know this will. A sausage and egg cheese croissant. But they already have those. But they don't have Seven Eleven, Adelia. I don't know what I. Uh, I don't know how you don't understand that. How this is a great, a great moment for Germany. I. I can't see how you, you. You can't appreciate it. Mini spicy breakfast empanadas. Come on, come on. This is the future. The future of heart disease. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at their food. Give me one second. I'm looking at their baked goods. They have muffins. They have mm-hmm. apple fritters. Mm-hmm. They have mini donuts. Exactly. Brookies and brownies and muffins. What's a brookie? And muffins and donuts. Yeah, they have the same stuff. We have donut shops. We have pizza shops. We have we have a million bakeries nationwide that sell Frikadellenbrötchen. So you have yeah, the meat patty in the bread roll. It's a standard but, staple. They sell it at Raver. But but why aren't you happy about the thing that, that I'm really happy about? I don't understand. Why don't why don't you want to drink a liter of coffee? Why don't you want to have a chicken salad sandwich? Come on, for the love of God. Get it's, hype. Come on, Tilly. I I'm I looked at I look at this stuff and it's the same stuff that we have here. It's nothing different. You either get it at Raver, a bakery, or McDonald's, right? Like wings. I'd, you I take mean, out if, the wings if, and you add a stick to it. That's not even inventive. If you're not looking forward to a breakfast pizza, I can't help you, Dilly. I really can't help you. Three kinds of muffin. Oh, an Italian sub, a turkey and cheese sub. Yeah, yeah. These are all great things. These, this is the future, Dilly. You're looking at the future and you're, you're just dismissing it as if it was a bad thing. It's also your present if you get out of your house. Look at that. Pepperoni pasta salad, garden side salad, a fruit blend fruit cup. That's a tongue twister. Okay, it is just a cup of fruit, but like, forget the fruit, right? The fruit's the boring bit. I can't believe you don't like the amazingly deep fried elements that I've just <laughs> presented to you. Chicken Caesar pasta salad. Have you been to a Tom and Sally's? Do you know Tom and Sally? Forget Tom and Sally. This is 7-Eleven, right? Tom and Sally can go in the bin as far as I'm concerned. Do you know Tom and Sally? I don't. I don't. I've never met them. Shout out to the Tom and Sally people of Giessen. Tom stands for tomato. Sally stands for salad. And it's a salad shop. I hate that. I hate all of everything to do with it. (laughs) That also says tiramisu in a cup. You should Google that. You're going to go to 7-Eleven, aren't you? And you're going to buy a salad. Dilly, I can't help you. There's nothing. There's no help in you, really. There's no, there's no help in you at all. Is it possible to take a step forward at the same time as taking a step backward? Personally, I'm not entirely sure, but I reckon German Health Minister Karl Lauterbach might have an opinion on the matter. Last week, Lauterbach presented his updated plan for the legalisation of cannabis in Germany, which has been severely scaled back from the ideas he presented in October last year. There's been many big differences in order to accommodate a lot of the criticism that is uh, Lauterbach's initial idea faced last year and over the preceding months. 
so yeah, Diddy, are you excited by this new scaled back plan for cannabis legalization? Is this something that you've been following at all? Okay, Nick. Okay. Two points, two things. First one, just Karl Lauterbach and taking a step forward and backwards. He's the king of it. It should be his dance sequence now. The Lauterbach two step. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very consistent dance move. It should be called the Lauterbach. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about him uh, and Corona. Number two, I've been looking forward to the legalization of cannabis in Germany. And it's been dragging on for so long that I'm pretty sure that the day it's legal, I will also realize I'm pregnant and I won't be able to smoke it. That is how <laughs> my fucking fate rolls. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, potentially congratulations, but also commiserations. You're the archetype of the Lauterbach two-step. Yes. <laughs> one step yes. forward, <laughs> one step back. Um, the big differences between this new plan versus the October plan comes down to the plan initially was mm. to have specialized stores that would provide yep. cannabis to consumers. Mm-hmm. And that seems to have been kind of written off uh, mainly due to criticism internally but also some issues around the eu that we'll talk about later the new plan will create what they call cannabis clubs Clubs. and these will be uh, clubs that are made up of 500 members maximum and they will be allowed community cultivation Mm -hmm. so you will have to join a club and i think it means you have to be you would have to be a resident of germany Mm. in order to to join one of these clubs and the clubs themselves will allow their members to purchase a maximum of 50 grams per month but no more than 25 grams at once which if you think about it 50 grams is a lot of a lot of weed <laughs> so i think uh, people will still be quite happy those people who wish to partake will still be able to do so mm. at a at a much larger scale than they can currently They've also played around with some of the age restrictions. So uh, those under the age of 21 will possibly be allowed to buy lower strength cannabis Mm -hmm. with a maximum of 30 grams per month. And that is uh, another kind of sop to the fears that a lot of people have about the creation of kind of cannabis tourism, but also fears around what impact this might have on young people. Mm. Studies do suggest that smoking cannabis as your brain is developing is certainly not a positive thing. And Mm. given that your brain doesn't stop developing until I think you're around 25, Mm -hmm. uh, this looks like a quite sensible idea. The sort of reasoning behind these changes from kind of wholesale uh, legalization and mm. and kind of commercialization of cannabis is actually the EU. Uh, the European Commission were and are concerned about uh, cross-border distribution mm. and import and export issues of, of what they consider illegal narcotics. Yeah. But there are some good elements some of good this. Some good news, yes. Definitely some good news here. Home cultivation will still be an option. And people will be allowed to grow a maximum of three plants. What I love about every time I've read an article, they Mm. go, three female plants. Like, they're so specific. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, we know that the female plant is the one you smoke. Okay, we get it. It's fine. It's okay. Maybe there are people who, like, have the male plant. I don't know. Yeah, they're gutted. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you can see that happening, definitely. But So that means you could could grow your own. I think Mm. that's quite a nice... A nice um, idea as well. Yeah. Also, this is something that I didn't realize was was in the plans, but I think it's also quite sensible. Mm. There's going to be restrictions on where you can smoke weed. You'll be able to smoke weed in public places 
after 8 p.m but it will be banned around schools and daycare centers which i would have thought was kind of obvious but Mm. it's germany so let's be kind of explicit about it right and also even even more than that there's plans for amnesties for those who've been previously convicted of cannabis possession that's nice yeah. isn't a lot of details around that yeah moreover there's a, a broader idea that they'll create kind of test areas around the country mm. which will be allowed to have commercial premises for cannabis sales mm. and they will over five years get a sense of what impact this might have on a, a broader level across the country mm. so this seems generally sensible that's my assessment it's, of it yeah yeah <laughs> they could do this faster but yeah faster what do you mean fast this is the fastest i've seen legislation enacted in germany in a long time we haven't even spent the 10 years talking about it yet um so yeah this is we pretty speedy in germany ever since not i really, came not here not at this level no ever since i came here i've seen the cannabis sticker on everyone who considers themselves a rebel yeah, but it's not really been the debate. It certainly hasn't mm. been the debate at the level it is now. It's been some stoners sticking stickers on yeah. walls, right, in the in the gents' toilets or something, you know, but like or on lampposts. But it's not been um seriously discussed and legislated for in this way. And that's why I think it's quite an interesting development. It is. Uh, my boyfriend is Dutch and he's very excited for this because the first thing that people say or ask about when they meet him is like, haha, you know, they crack a weed joke and he's mm. sick to death of it. He starts working somewhere and that's the first thing the HR person says at the meeting. Uh, yeah, he comes home and cries. He doesn't, but you know. <laughs> oh, poor lad. No, I can imagine he's pig sick of that. It's like people talking about mm. the weather when they speak to me. You know? no. It's not something I particularly want to talk about. I mean, I've, I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to other parts of the Netherlands and I've seen how they've done it. I've been to the US and I've seen how it's done in the US. Personally, for my mind, I don't think either of those models were ever going to work in Germany. We've already talked about this in regards to the nuclear shutdown, but Germany isn't a country that particularly likes dramatic change at any rate. This is a slow process. And I think what Lauterbach has recognized is that Germany's ready, but not totally ready for this. Mm. And by being cautious and and kind of getting sensible legislation through, it opens the door for later in uh, maybe mm. this legislative period or maybe in an, uh, uh, another another government to build on this idea. It's like proof of concept, basically. And it takes the problems of uh, um, mm. prohibition off the table. And by simply no longer classifying THC as a narcotic. It does a lot of other things too, medicinally for a start. But the thing I remember distinctly about spending my time in in the on the West Coast of the US, Mm -hmm. I think it was in 2016, was, yeah, you could buy weed, right? But it wasn't just weed that you were buying to smoke. You could buy THC Mm -hmm. products, whether they were edibles, but also things like vapes, Mm -hmm. THC sprays, those kinds of things which yeah. didn't require you to smoke and were actually used in different therapies, yeah. but also just for enjoyment. And I think it opens the door for those as well. I'm not personally one who would recommend ever doing an mm-hmm. edible. They're terrifying. Really? Yeah, they're, they're, my experience has been that it reacts in a very different way. Like a THC infused gummy bear yeah. looks fun 
until three hours later and you're clinging to the ceiling hoping that everything will stop freaking you out and again this is says something like like it is a narcotic well it is a drug and like alcohol or nicotine there are side effects and things that we need to be concerned about and this approach seems to take that into account simon is nodding his head i'm glad he's muted because he seems to be pointing at me uh, so, i think he said um, i love you and he pointed it to you oh that's what i think he said too i think he said he loved me uh, i'm not gonna look at him uh, otherwise i won't be able to get through the rest of this story um yeah also i would not recommend the amsterdam approach to yeah. smoking or um, sort of enjoying cannabis at any level because the problem Amsterdam has faced and has been trying to navigate is the balance between making it available for people who live in the Netherlands or live in Amsterdam versus the influx of tourists coming to Amsterdam to just get high. And anyone who's been to Amsterdam will have had that experience of walking around the streets and seeing, and no offence Americans, but predominantly American tourists, mm. predominantly men as well, just bleary-eyed off their faces. And I think that's something that Germany definitely wants to avoid. And in fact, Lauterbach has said he doesn't want to make Germany into a country of cannabis tourism, mm. which I personally agree with entirely i think it's not something you want as a mark mm. but what i do see with this is it's a real opportunity to present a sensible approach to legalization that isn't mm. kind of the american side of it which is weirdly legal and illegal in certain places but also like anything goes you know everyone can smoke it anywhere you want and it becomes a kind of offensive thing Mm. to people mm -hmm. i think this kind of protects it a little bit and says okay you can do it but you can only do it in certain ways yeah. and you can only do it at certain times and in certain places yeah exactly exactly so that when it does happen people aren't losing their minds or freaking out because what about the children which is always the the sort of argument mm. when it comes to any kind of approach to legalization so you are broadly in favor of these ideas then i am I'm I'm not sure of the status of uh, the medicinal use of weed in Germany. And medicinally, it's available. You can apply to get a kind of medical weed pass, like weed license or something like that. Uh -huh. it's, it's you have to really have some serious conditions and, and, yeah. and have some serious medical support. It's not like in the US where they made kind of medical marijuana available and you could go to the doctor and say, I'm feeling a bit down. And they're like, here, have some medical weed. <laughs> um, it's a little bit more restrictive than that. Yeah. I just want to say though, like even if I'm not able to smoke it, I wouldn't mind planting it. That would be exciting. Planting it? Yeah. Oh, so you're just going to cultivate it. So you're yeah. going to start your own cannabis club. Is that what you're telling us? I, that's the thing, right? So you have to belong to a club in order to be able to pl uh, have uh, grow your own weed. No, you can grow your own. You can grow up to three plants. So you can without you can do being that. in a club. Without being in a club, yeah. So you can join okay. a cannabis club and you can cultivate it collectively and you can buy it from one of these clubs. But yeah. you can also, at home, grow up to three plants. That's exciting. Oh, because like, you know, on TV, like with Maud Mit Ausisch, and they always have these like little weed plants. Um, or uh, The plants look really pretty, actually. And I wouldn't mind just seeing what a weed plant would look like. As a, as a like ornamental something. Personally, I'm just looking forward to your tweets on food when they're totally laced with cannabis. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like <laughs> this week, I'm cooking butter chicken, oh, but it's Nick. but I've got I've got this bottle of THC to pour into it too. Weed is actually a meat tenderizer. 
I did not know that. I did not yes, know that. Yes, and my grandfather used to add it to his uh, cooked tortoise or turtle curry. Bloody hell. There is a lot to unpack in that sentence. Um, I know. I think I know. that might be... I knew, this, I knew it when I said it. I think that'll be a segment on its own, I think, in the future. <laughs> he used to add it to his chicken, and, uh, and my mother says it made the chicken soft. Although, uh, this was in Sri Lanka. I don't know what the rules were then. His wife was a teacher, so I, I'm... I'm I'm assuming he wasn't fooling around with uh, with illegal substances. Well, let's just assume that he, he wasn't uh, and assume that he was doing it the right way. Um, we could feasibly see something in place by the end of this year, um, which would be, yeah, it would be a real sea change. So uh, I'm going to keep my ears to the ground and and hope that, that we see some serious developments and a vote in the Bundestag before the end of the year. Keeping our fingers crossed. If you live in Germany, you'll surely know Axel Springer SE, the publishing house of daily tabloid Bild, as well as Die Welt and Politico, uh, among many other publications. Bild has a reputation as a lowbrow platform for celeb gossip, outrage and casual misogyny. But it's one of the most popular news platforms in the country with its print edition frequently topping the most read charts. Given this reputation, it's unsurprising to note that Bild and Axel Springer are frequently at the centre of scandals, most recently involving its former editor-in-chief, Julian Reichelt, who was forced to resign after a string of accusations regarding abuse of power and exploitation of female employees. Last week, Axel Springer was once again in the hottest of water as internal communications from the CEO of Axel Springer, Matthias Dupfner, were made public by newspaper Die Zeit, uh, showing Dupfner had some pretty awful things to say about government policy during the pandemic, immigration, and the East German states. It was all a little bit um, on brand, I guess would be the term. Mm -hmm. uh, Dilly, you've got some of the more salacious quotes to hand do you want to give us a, a rundown of the various messages that were sent by Dupfner and um, Zeit got their hands on I've got a couple of quotes to delight you with Nick so <laughs> as I said before one is about Corona and his extremely bad uh, understanding of it he's quoted as having allegedly said Corona is a Grippe gefährlich für alte und kranke. So, according to him, Corona is a flu that is dangerous for the old and the sick. Mm. As if, yeah, people we can do away with kind of thing. Yeah, it seemed very dismissive, right? Very dismissive, very uninformed. And for the chief of a media house? Yeah, publishing house, I guess. Of a yeah. publishing house. That's a bit unfortunate, to say the least. It wasn't just that, though, is it? He had some pretty no. choice words for uh, Merkel's corona policy as well, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And um, uh, so he had said, uh, die Politik würde, the quote is, unsere offene Gesellschaft für immer zerstören. So what he says with this quote is that the measures taken against corona and its spread in Germany has pretty much destroyed our society forever. Uh, there is like a running theme through this episode of um, Germany shitting the bed every time there's any kind of bad news. And this is a great example of that. That's not the only message, though. There was a message about the lockdown from March 
2020, just as things were kind of heating up with regards to the um, corona crisis. And uh, it's said that, and this is the quote, das ist der Ende der Marktwirtschaft mm-hmm. und der Anfang von Dry und Dreizig. And this is a reference, a very clear reference to the fact that the lockdown was akin to the rise of national socialism, which was, yeah. I think we can all agree, a really fucking stupid thing to say. It is. <laughs> He's also said, um, die Ossis werden nie Demokraten. Vielleicht sollte man aus der ehemaligen DDR eine Agrar- und Produktionszone mit Einheitslohn machen. So, he uses, it's as good as a slur, right, Ossis? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he references people in East Germany um, and says uh, that they will never be Democrats, mm-hmm. democratic, and recommends that we create an agricultural and production zone out of the former DDR and pay people a... Like a minimum wage or a standard wage, I guess is the translation. One standard wage. Mm. These are not gems. This is like what old uncles, when they're 85 and drunk at Christmas, I mean, this is what they come up with. Oh, it's really got those vibes of like angry right-wing uncle Mm. at family event, Mm. uh, for sure. One of the defenses that Dubfner gave and uh, his supporters have given is that, oh, this is just like a joke, or these quotes are taken out of context. And I'm like, well, bloody hell, I'd love to see the context for these quotes, you know? A number of these messages were actually sent to the guy we mentioned earlier, the former editor-in-chief, Julian Reichold. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good for Dubfner. It doesn't look like... For someone who had claimed he wanted to make Bill the more centrist newspaper, mm. doesn't suggest that he's particularly centrist, no. right? It wasn't just that that was inflammatory. There was also some points about support for the FDP at the run-up to the election mm. in uh, 2021. He said, and I'm going to read this in English because I, I, I don't want to butcher the quote particularly with my, as we now know, awful pronunciation, eh, Dilly? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Forgiveness is a virtue. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's okay. Um, our last hope is the FDP, he said on August 7th, 2021. The green-red disaster can only be avoided if it becomes very strong, and that can happen. Can't we do more for them? They're the only ones that are positioned as a counterpoint against the corona measures. It's a patriotic duty, he declared, which suggests that a little bit more partisan than you would probably hope from a uh, a newspaper um, owner or publishing house um, CEO. He went on to talk about Christian Linder and he said he, he must publicly state that he excludes a coalition under green leadership. Mm that he only coalitions with the CDU. It's so important. And he has to get voters from the RFD. Had dinner with him last night, he says. He's too scared, but this is still the only chance to avoid the final decline of the country. And it's like, oh God, if you think that the decline of the country comes about because it's not a CDU government, then God help <laughs> you. What What do you think has been happening for the last decade? We've had a CDU in as the largest party in various coalitions didn't seem to fix many of the problems that Germany has. And it's actually worrying, I think, that you have someone in such a position of power with such power over various different media outlets Mm. basically advocating that they turn their newspaper into a a platform for one particular party. It sounds very um, British media, right? It sounds very Daily Mail. It's British, it's American, it's Sri Lankan. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm from Sri Lanka. I know this. I've seen this. And we don't have leaked emails. We just have the politicians going on Twitter and writing pretty much the same stuff for mm. everyone to mm. say. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sad to see Germany going down the same route, but I should have known. I did read an interesting article in the Frankfurt Allgemeine, which was that basically, some, to sum it up, it said, uh, are you surprised? Are you surprised that this is the situation? Did you mm. really think that the, the head of Axel Springer would actually think anything other than what has been released by Zeit and through these text messages? It seems to me that that, that is a fair point, you know? I mean, the Bill Zeitung is not known for its excellent reporting. Mm. It's known for being a, a rag essentially mm. and that their owner should have equally atrocious opinions mm. shouldn't be a, a massive alarm bell for people i mean it's obviously been contrasted with the the stories that have been coming out about fox news yeah and the contrast this article made was like well when with regards to rupert murdoch and fox news in the u.s they were saying one thing on television but behind closed doors was saying something completely different mm. And actually, this is just consistent messaging throughout. Yeah. I don't think that is a excuse particularly, but it does give us some kind of perspective maybe on the topic. Yeah. Who, Nick, who in their right minds are sending SMSs right now? Because in this day and age, if you're using SMSs, you know, you deserve to be leaked. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you're right. Perhaps you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been called on to resign by various different mm -hmm. groups. I doubt that he will. There was this like weird interaction between uh, himself and his own newspaper, Build, where the editor of Build Zeitung wrote an article at the weekend saying, "Oh, he must apologise." Mm -hmm. And then today, Dubner has apologised, ostensibly on the back of, "Oh, well." build wants me to apologize and that's the right thing to do and it just sounds like oh like nah i don't really buy that idea i mean you could easily have told the editor to write that think piece and then followed through with an apology it doesn't bring anything does it i mean he's apologized but he's still the same offensive person mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. who has very disturbed ideas of people in his own country and mm -hmm. and i mean mm -hmm. he's stereotypes he's prejudiced that's not a good look I mean, what is he apologizing for and how is he going forward? It's not like, I'm going to change my opinion. That's not going to happen. He's just apologizing for the fact that his offensive SMSs were leaked. Maybe he could apologize yeah. for sending SMSs. That would actually be a good thing. Yeah, I think, I think it is one of those things where are you apologizing for saying it or apologizing for being caught? Mm. I mean, it wasn't just that that he said. He said some pretty wild things about because after the assassination of the Iranian general, uh, is it Suleimana, uh, I think his name was, mm. if you remember back in 2020, yeah. uh, Trump was sort of praised by the right for having assassinated this Iranian general. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of commentators pointed out how batshit insane that approach was mm. um, and kind of scattergun it was and how it didn't necessarily match the sort of strategies that were in place. But he suggested in a text message that no, the Nobel Prize should be given to Trump and taken away from Barack Obama. Um, well, he did spell uh, Obama, Obama with an I. Um, one of the notable elements of all these text messages apparently is how appalling Dupner is at spelling anything at all. Yeah, it was... It, I don't know if it's a joke. Maybe it's a joke. If it is, it's a pretty shit one. But at the same time, 
I think it's a bit of a, a kind of escape hatch if you go, oh, I was only joking about these terrible things that I probably think. And and also this element of like, oh, you, I've, uh, you've taken this out of context. It all just seems a little bit messy and a little bit ridiculous. It does. And may I point out the fact that some of his messages are also Islamophobic. Uh, one quote from the SMSers is, Free West, fuck the intolerant Muslims and all this under Gesochs. Yeah, Gesochs, I had to look up that word and it kind of just means like gang or like kind of group of ruffians or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a little bit of British sort of politeness on top of that. I see. It's not a nice word to use about a group of people. And the intolerant Muslims, mm. seriously? I mean, for someone who seems incredibly intolerant, it seems a bit wild for them to be accusing others of intolerance, but... <laughs> Here we are in Germany in 2023. Whether Dipfner yeah. will face resignation is debatable. Mm. Like I said, don't really believe it will happen. If there's one protected species in Germany, it's grey-haired old white men. Uh, they seem to be much mm. better protected than the climate, for instance. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe a miracle will happen, but um, I doubt it. That brings us to the end of the show, or at least it would be the end normally, but I am staging a sit-in protest until Nick says nuclear again. Nick? No. Nick? No, we're going to stay here. This Once is the, for me, the everlasting Nick. podcast. No, no, <laughs> you can't make me say it. It's a nuclear, no. say nuclear, Nick. <sighs> nuclear. <laughs> Are you there happy you go. now? See? Are you happy? I am very The happy. things I do for the listeners' enjoyment. <laughs> the little delights of life. Yeah, I'm not exactly happy about this. Anyway, if you're enjoying <laughs> the podcast, which you bloody better be because you're putting me through the ringer today, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify. So chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link or post with the hashtag Decades From Home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decades from home and contributing to help keep this boat afloat. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to to cover you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algama and you can tweet me at 40% German you can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com if you have time take a look at 40percentgerman.com weekly articles are up every Saturday all that's left to say is thanks and be some next in mile cheers, cheers. nuclear <laughs>